Hello, friends. As many of you know, one of my focus areas as First Lady is educator wellness and showing up for our Utah teachers. As part of that work, I've been partnering with Western Governors University for a limited series podcast recording called Educator Wellbeing. The focus here is to provide resources and strategies for educators to thrive in their classrooms. While not all of you are educators, I wanted to give you the opportunity to listen here on First Lady and Friends. So, Hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's get proximate. Welcome to Educator Wellbeing, From Principles to Practice, a podcast brought to you by Utah First Lady Abby Cox and Western Governors University Senior Vice President and Executive Dean of the School of Education, Dr. Stacy Ludwig-Johnson, facilitated by Marty Carpenter of Northbound Strategy. This limited series focuses on supporting teachers nationwide by providing strategies and resources to help educators thrive. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and video of each episode is available on WGU's YouTube channel. Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we take a closer look at educator well-being. Our goal is to bring you ideas and concepts to help you as educators thrive. Today, we're going to talk about healthy learning environments, and we're joined today by an awesome expert panel, starting with Utah's First Lady, Abby Cox. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. We're also joined by Dr. Stacy Ludwig-Johnson. She is Western Governors University's Senior Vice President and Executive Dean of the School of Education. You win for longest title. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being with us. <laughs> we're also joined, of course, by Dr. Mamie L. Pack, Manager of WGU's Healthy Learning Initiative. Dr. Pack, thanks for being with Thank us. Thank you. As Glad well. to be here. I'm going to shift this way and start with the First Lady. You have developed quite a reputation for showing up for teachers. You've made that an emphasis of your time as First Lady, and you're passionate about educator well being. Help me understand what was the genesis of that, and what are you most concerned about with our teachers? Yeah, the genesis really was, you know, as we were coming, we were in the middle of the pandemic and we were trying to figure out, you know, I, I, I'm an educator. I was a special education teacher. My mom was an educator. My grandma was an educator. And so it's really in my blood and I'm passionate about it and trying to figure out as First Lady an, an initiative, what that would look like, what are the needs. And over and over, I kept thinking about um, our social learning, our emotional intelligence, and the things that the kids were struggling with, our students are struggling with, over and over, you know, that mental health piece, the, the emotional intelligence piece kept coming up. And so I, I really, in the beginning, thought about how do we get curriculum to, to students? How do we make sure that teachers are able to, to teach these skills? They're so important. Uh, business leaders are telling us how important it is that the, their employees have these skills. And so really, as we talked about it, um, we brought in teachers, we're talking to teachers. I know that's a novel thing <laughs> to actually talk to teachers about what they need and, and what the struggles are. And we were talking to them and really over and over the message from that, from our teachers was, we need these skills, we are struggling, we're not okay. And, and so really, our, we kind of pivoted to, to really talk to teachers and listen to them and, and listen to the, what they were saying so that we could get them the help that they needed to get them the emotional intelligence skills uh, so that they're better prepared to face what they're seeing in their classrooms. Um, and we know when we help the helpers uh, that everyone everyone uh, has more success that way. And so that's really the impetus for 
for what we've been doing. And so we pivoted to put together a Show Up for Teachers conference that is all about teacher wellness, teacher mental health, and making sure that teachers have the resources and tools that they need to be successful in their jobs, to keep them in their jobs, to keep them happy in their jobs. And we know that that emotion transfers to our students. So that that's what we've seen. And we've just had a phenomenal response from our educators. They've loved the conference. They've, they've really found value in it. So we're happy about that. I'm hearing from some educators on this side that they're, they're nodding in agreement. I can hear you nodding in agreement <laughs> over my shoulder that that's a refreshing take to have from someone in a leadership position in the state. Um, just maybe jump in on that a little bit and tell us about your reaction to that type of approach to the teachers. Let's start with you, um, Dr. Ludwig Johnson. Yeah, so I think that I've really appreciated the authentic way in which the First Lady has really shown up here, and particularly in Utah, and sort of setting that policy perspective and very human, like we need to care for our teachers because if our teachers have an empty or a half full glass, it's much harder for them to sort of fill the glass of all of those kids um, that they're trying to bring along in their own, in their own journey. Um, and we have the, the privilege at WGU, um, we've placed 70,000 teachers in classrooms. And it's been interesting to me as I've been just listening to the news. You cannot turn on the news and not hear something about educator wellness, which was sort of new this summer and this past year. We always hear about teacher shortages, but that sort of shift towards wellness has been really important for us as we're we're constantly trying to focus on our curriculum and, and ensuring that it's relevant and high quality. And this sort of, this idea around wellness has been, it's been new. And there was some research, we were talking about it a little earlier, just recently about how job-related stress impacts teachers and, and school leaders at twice the rate that it impacts other working adults. And so as we've been really thinking about now, how do we care for our future teachers and how do we provide them the skill set and the toolbox so that they're successful and retain in the classroom? Because that's the ultimate is like, let's, let's retain them um, and the outcomes, student outcomes go up when we do. But um, one thing that we've sort of pivoted towards, which I think is a little different at WGU, is this idea around healthy learning and our healthy learning initiative. And um, we're going to be sort of supporting a series of podcasts here where we're going to be unpacking that. And um, Mamie's really, I'll let her be, she's the expert in this space, but she can sort of um, uncouple that for us. But for me, just not only as a parent, but in terms of just being on the education provider side, just that really clear like addition of wellness to shortage and how those there's a cause and effect there that we can't ignore. So yeah. Dr. Pack, tell us a little bit about, let's start with the basics there, like healthy learning. What do you mean when you say healthy learning? Start fundamentally and then build us up from there. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of give context to what we're talking about here, I started as a high school English teacher. I went into education through an alternative certification program. And when we talk about our educators going into the classroom, they're showing up as people. So they're coming as caregivers, as parents. They're coming as, like myself, a military spouse. There's this whole rich lived experience that's coming with them into the classroom. And so for a while, we've been very skilled at preparing our educators with the curriculum knowledge that they need to teach English or social studies. But we're recognizing that we also need to help our teachers in how do we use trauma-informed practices? 
How are we doing trauma-informed care? How are we recognizing that our students are coming in with their own race, culture, ethnicity, nationalities that of their communities, and how do we provide whole support? I'm really taking a holistic approach, so a whole you, if you will. So our healthy learning is really looking at the holistic view of our teachers and how to be able to go into the classrooms and create healthy classroom cultures, how to create healthy classroom environments where the teachers are thriving and that then creates space for the students to thrive. Um, but it's not something that just happens, right? Like we don't just know how to be self-aware. We don't just know how to manage stress in a healthy way. It's a skill. It's something that we have to be taught and how to be able to build. And our teachers need help in how do I navigate the, my personal life that does come with me into my classroom. Um, you know, how do I navigate that and still be able to show up bravely, boldly, in a healthy way for our students and their colleagues. And so our Healthy Learning Initiative really looks at six different pillars. Um, very excited about this because traditionally, when we think about these pillars, we think of them in isolation. So we have diversity, equity, and inclusion, SEL, social emotional learning, character core. Um, we also have basic needs, mental health, and our professional disposition and ethics. And while those pillars separately are like really strong, we know that they matter, but we recognize that it's all about them being embedded together. So in order for me to be able to recognize the emotional intelligence of students, I also need to recognize their culture. and How does that impact how they show up? Their race, their community, um, you know, whether they're a military spouse, or just all the richness that our students are bringing into our classrooms and how do we honor that in a way that we're able to integrate it into the curriculum and then also be able to help students see themselves in all of the things that we're doing so that all students know that they're seen, heard, and valued. And our teachers need help to know that they are also seen, heard, and valued. And how do I show up in a healthy way? Yeah. Dr. Ludwig Johnson, you want to jump in on that at all? Anything you want to add to that? I just, you know, I think that's been something that's been um, unique for us because I think mm -hmm. the way that you talked about sort of um, providing sort of the pedagogical approach and the methodology for how to teach the content, mm -hmm. this sort of focus on um, the whole educator mm -hmm. and the fact that if we can equip them with some of these skills and these, these abilities and the experience, then they take that that sort of toolkit into the classroom and 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 can support the kids and their community, their local community in that mm -hmm. same way. And for us, that's really been that focus of we've really got to care for all of it because this is, you know, to teach, it's like a very demanding and challenging, but the most important job, biased, but most <laughs> important job. But and and to just care for and and build the grit and resilience and and all of those pieces that are needed to to remain uh like intact in the classroom through all the challenges that there are is is just important and so and it seems like from a public policy standpoint a lot of what you hear is well professional development for the teachers and that always seems to at least hit my ear and say well it's about how they teach better and techniques and so on but what are you hearing from teachers when they talk about this approach of it's about helping me all the way around as an individual. Yeah, you know, I think um, there's there's a there's an emotion that that teachers want to feel and it's appreciated. There's an emotion that they are feeling, and it's frustrated, and and the frustration I think comes from a lot of different places. But one in particular that I've been hearing a lot from teachers is there is an it's a it's a lack of 
matching our expectation versus the reality that we're seeing in a classroom. And I love what WGU is doing because we are, there's, you guys are starting to, and, and you have for a long time, so not just starting to, but you've been working on this idea that uh, preparing teachers in the way that they need to for, for the students that they're gonna see in their classrooms today, not 20 years ago. And there's a difference, there's a real difference. There's a difference in how we educate a, a student now because it used to be that it, it really was about Im information transfer. We learned, you talked about like, we learned the social studies curriculum, we learned the history, we learned whatever it is what they, we were teaching, and then we're transferring that information to our students. It's a very different world, um, as, as we all know, and, and our students can get every bit of that information, you know, in a, in a phone right in front of them. And they don't need necessarily that information transfer. What they need is a, very different. And what happens is if we train a teacher in these teacher training programs to just be working in that old model of information transfer, instead of preparing a teacher to be engaged in this whole student and be a whole person myself as I come into the classroom, that's when we we can, I think the wellness improves, our mental health improves when that expectation versus reality is more matched instead of creating that frustration for teachers, which decreases the wellness in my opinion. Such a great point, yeah. Yeah, and I want to kind of piggyback off of, off of that in that when we do think traditionally um, professional development, professional learning, it is very much focused on what do we need to do for students, right? Like what type of techniques and skills, but not really how do I do a check-in with myself? How do I recognize when I am not healthy as the teacher, when I'm struggling with my stress, when I'm maybe having some toxic behaviors that are impacting my growth mindset and my ability to really be able to show up as my best self. Because many people who go into education is because we love it, right? Like, it's not because you're like, woohoo, let me go and do and listen to all these things. You really love and you want to be there. And so how do we take this, I wanna be there, to I'm here 20 years later. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take really helping individuals with how do I know how to take care of me so I can be here 20 years later, so that I know when to be able to say, that no is enough, that I'm able to advocate for myself on what's going on and, and talk to my leaders, how to get involved with policy so that way I'm able to influence change. So it's, it's really helping our educators, is really seeing them mm -hmm. and not just what we want them to do in our classrooms, because they already do a lot, <laughs> you know, but it's really now saying, how are we looking at our, the way we're training them, not just for that bachelor's degree, but master's programs and other professional development, like show up for teachers, where teachers are able to come in and be able to recognize, where am I right now? What do I need right now? What type of support? Um, how can I grow in an area so that I can really be the healthiest version of myself? There are three principles to all this that you have outlined for us, gave me a little bit of a cheat sheet, and I want to touch on each of those, but I'm going to play the teacher and give the assignments first. So uh, we'll have the first lady talk about advocacy. Um, Dr. Ludwig Johnson, if you'll talk about community, and let's start uh, with you, Dr. Pack, and self-awareness. What? Uh, just tell us a little bit about each one of those three principles, if you will, and we'll start with you. Yes, self-awareness is such an important aspect of doing healthy learning work, um, because unless you're able to 
reflect on who you are, where you are, what has influenced you to be you, and how does that then impact the decisions you make? Um, so it's, it's recognizing that I'm a mom of four, I have four boys, and when my husband was doing deployments and I'm working, well, I'm a little bit more exhausted than normal. So being self-aware that I was up with a sick kid, now I gotta get this lesson, um, and I gotta cover somebody else's class, that stress, that increased stress, causes me then to maybe behave in an unhealthy way. So being self-aware to recognize what is it that I need now? Not for the whole week, not doing, although all the planning is great, but really taking time to know what are some self-reflection techniques? How do I do check-ins with myself? How do, be, how do I able to recognize what's happening with my body? Um, what's, what's going on with my mind? Do I need to lean into therapy or some other mental wellness and mental health care? So when we practice self-awareness, it's an intentional practice to pause. And I know it seems like, where am I day am I gonna do this, right? <laughs> like, don't give me one more thing to do, but self-awareness is something we do for ourselves. It's not about what we're doing for other people. So even carving out 15 minutes um, at the end of your school day or at the end of your day with a journal or if you like to maybe record yourself, whatever that process looks like, but asking yourself, um, what went well today? Where did I struggle today? What do I need in this moment? How do I need to pivot? And self-awareness allows us the opportunity to reflect on that and then get some actions that we need to put in place. But it takes time to learn how to be able to do that um, and recognizing where we need to make change. And change will happen in that self-awareness space of saying, you know what, I've been doing this by myself and this is not working. I need a partner. I need to be able to ask for help. I need to be able to delegate. Um, so we really want to, a big part of our program in healthy learning, both in healthy learning and healthy working environments, is that self-awareness and self-reflection is the very first step. Checking where are you and where do you need to go? Um, and then how do we build the knowledge, skills, and dispositions to help you get there? And once you have that self-awareness, it would seem logical that the next step is community, which is the principle I want you to touch on, um, that you have to understand what you need and then you need to go find those who can help you get it. Is that right? That's right. Well, and Mamie sort of opened the door in her in her uh, conversation there around. Um, we hear from teachers that are just they have so much on their plate and they feel like they're sort of problem solving mm -hmm. um, and trying to take on a mountain. And I think that's the one of the most important aspects is really identifying community, whether it's peers or it's a mentor mm -hmm. teacher. Um, because solving the challenges that our teachers face today in classrooms are very different mm -hmm. as as Abby said earlier around, um, it is a very different space than 20 years. It's very different post-COVID, um, but that sort of sense of, of belonging and connectedness, whether, whether it's a student or a teacher, I think is so important. But um, you know what we always uh, really try to encourage our teachers is to identify a mentor teacher um, someone that you can can lean on and problem solve with those first couple of years as you're transitioning from an educator prep program into the classroom are exciting and exhausting and wonderful and all of those pieces but having someone that you can problem solve with and share your concerns and kind of where you're at and as you're self-reflecting and if you're a teacher that's had the benefit of working with a mentor teacher, you know, flip the script on that and, and reach out and bring someone along with you. And I think there's so many opportunities through um, 
institutions um, and educator prep programs to get very involved in the alumni associations and and you know just to maintain that ongoing connectedness but that ability to sort of come together as a community and lift each other up is is really critical as we're moving forward so it's so. checking in with yourself then getting help from a community but sometimes that community needs help from outside and that's where the advocacy <laughs> portion comes in now you've got to wow us because you had a chance to listen to both of them <laughs> feel free to jump in on anything they said but talk to us specifically no, I, about advocacy as well yeah I, well and i think w advocacy is is an extension of exactly what what they're both talking about too is uh what we did at our conference was actually again a reflection of what we heard from teachers that they need and one of the things that they they expressed to us over and over again and it's it, teaching is such a unique profession in a lot of ways but mostly because they have 104 bosses if you will at the legislature mm -hmm. who a lot of times feel and sometimes rightly and sometimes wrongly that they are the experts in education and uh, because they went to school and sometimes uh, I hear from teachers over and over again that they feel like these policies are happening to them and not with them or for them. And so what, what I think where advocacy becomes really critical is that teachers need to have a voice in the policies. And what we taught in the, in the conference is we had a panel and we've taught this in many different ways throughout the state is that we're helping educators through different programs learn how to be advocates mm -hmm. with the legislature and with policymakers. Because when, when we feel a little more control about how uh, our workplace gets situated and, and the things that we're supposed to be able to teach, when I'm a teacher and I'm seeing something happen in the classroom and I get, uh, you know, there's a new bill that passes that seems counter to, to what, I'm, what I'm working on or is not helpful at all, um, that again is that frustration that I, I'm not okay because I, I have no control over this and it's, and it's just not right for what I'm looking at in my classroom. And so for me, it's really empowering. It's really important to empower teachers with the skills to advocate in policy spaces. And um, it's, it's how do you contact your legislator? How do you tell your story as a teacher? At our conference, what we did is we brought in people, legislators, we brought in business leaders from all over the state. We said, give your a teacher, walk around in the conference and give a teacher a $10 gift card from Amazon, which they love, and have a conversation with a teacher and let them tell you their story. Let them tell you what they're facing in the classroom. That helps to create better policy and it helps teachers to feel empowered. And again, when that empowerment comes, the well-being is improved and, and then we get teachers that feel like they're a part of the process. And so it's really important if you're an educator and you're sitting here listening to this, let's make sure you have the skills to be an advocate with policymakers because I think it's critical. Really important across the board uh, on that element of self-awareness where we started, returning back down the line here. Um, Dr. Pack, I wonder if you could walk us through, I know you have some reflection questions. You mentioned that teachers should check in with themselves, essentially. And uh, you've got a, a number of questions that you would suggest that they ask themselves as part of that. I wonder if you just walk us through what those reflection questions are. 
Absolutely. So we really want to encourage at the end of our podcast that we're giving you tools and resources to be able to apply the information you're learning. So our three questions are going to focus on the three areas that we focused on, self-awareness, advocacy, and community. So our questions are, for self-awareness, what does a healthy version of me look like? And I really want to encourage you to set some time aside to think about that. When you look at yourself as an educator, serving in your classrooms, in your community, showing up as your best self, what does that look like? What is your temperament? Um, How is your attitude? What is your mindset? Really kind of spend some time thinking about that. And then, are you there? Um, What tools do you need? And so with advocacy, how do you recognize when you need to advocate for yourself? How do you do so in a professional way? We know sometimes frustration happens and it can be easy to want to talk out of that frustration, but we want to make sure we're engaging professionally. And who is on your list of people or organizations that you can reach out to for help in the way of resources? And definitely make sure you're checking with your State Department of Education and within your school district. And then community. What does my professional community look like? And that ties back into the mentors. What conferences are coming this year, um, like Show Up for Teachers, um, that you can attend to learn more from and network with? Who in your school would be good for you to ask for mentorship? And who can you mentor? Spend time, just set aside, put it on the top of a, a journal. Hopefully you'll have a journal as you go through the podcast and you hang out with us for many more to come. And really just continue building and reflecting on these questions. And these questions are not about being one and done but there are questions that you're coming back to, and I really encourage to have a regular cadence of self-reflection with these questions quarterly. Go back to them and see, where am I in that healthy version? Where am I in advocating? Where am I in building community? And um, where am I room for growth? And what can I celebrate? Great. Uh, Dr. Johnson, you want to share any final thoughts with us from your side? You know, I I was just sitting here sort of thinking and reflecting on this conversation around this is a really interesting sort of triad, right? So you have government and policy and you have an education provider and you've got instructional support and the value of bringing all of those together with the key ingredient of listening to teachers. Mm -hmm. You have said that so many times and that is where I think a lot of initiatives fail is people don't ask the teachers what they need. And I think one of the things that I've been worried about as we talk about educator wellness is that the solution will be something that's short term. And if everyone is aware that this is a long haul and, and, and that ability to, to integrate the focus on educator wellness, I mean, the downstream consequences in a positive way is greater teacher retention, which and that means better student outcomes. Like the, you know, so starting with listening to the teachers, integrating that in the way that we either train or support or lift them up, and then that sort of long-term impact of it cannot be a one and done, as you said. It's an ongoing sort of, in that professional educator pathway, long-term sort of support that they need to, to, to lead in the classroom, they lead in our community, and just like the most important outside of maybe your direct family impact on those little lives and big lives, teenagers and everything. But it's, uh, this is such an important conversation. So it's been really fun. We'll give the last word to the first lady. Anything you wanna share with us as we sum up? Yeah, you know, I, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, at the conference I talked about my love for horses. 
and uh, I've studied a little bit about horses and I've studied a little bit about our connection. There's actually a heart connection where when you spend time with your horse, you get in the same heart rhythm. And I was thinking about this in terms of our students as teachers and that emotion transfer. We know that when, I mean, I experienced this as a mother and I've experienced it as a teacher that, you know, you talked about being um, present in the classroom and, and bringing all your stuff with you. Mm-hmm. And if we're, um, if, we're, if we're not careful, we're transferring some really negative emotions and actually making our own jobs harder because our, the, the, the students that we have in our classroom are going to have that heart-to-heart connection with us. And when we're having a bad, stressful, anxiety-filled moment or day or week, um, that's gonna transfer to those students. The behaviors are gonna be more negative. Things are gonna kind of cycle. So it starts with us. It starts with us as educators. How do we, this is important. So this podcast, I hope, will help educators. I hope the educators that are listening will understand how important it is for you to, to get your emotions where they need to be, to have that advocacy, all the things, the, the curriculum, and everything that you have to do, get it right, and we'll help you. That increases your wellness, and that increases uh, your ability to be successful in the classroom, and those students are gonna thrive because of it. Well, this is definitely the beginning point, not the ending point of a larger conversation and one that we'll do a lot of listening on. So thank you all for your insight. Dr. Pack, Dr. Ludwig Johnson, and First Lady Abby Cox, thanks so much for that. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. This is the first episode in a series dedicated to supporting teachers. Our focus of this podcast is healthy learning, and we invite you to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode, which is coming next month, when we will talk about thriving classrooms for students and for teachers. Thanks for listening to Educator Wellbeing, From Principles to Practice. This limited series is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and video of each episode is available on WGU's YouTube channel. To learn more about the School of Education at Western Governors University, visit wgu.edu backslash school of education. To learn about First Lady Abby Cox's Show Up initiative, visit showuputah.org.